Well, we've droned <laughs> on enough. Let's just get it over with. I hate you. Gentlemen, welcome to the fest, the film find, <laughs> the greatest Hello. movie, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've ever listened to a movie podcast before, I'm your host Adam Portress, and no, I haven't had anything to drink today, which I'm even Perhaps finding you surprising. should get some. Maybe I don't know, but uh, we're giving you an early episode because Lord knows we need to talk about this movie that came out. It's the last one, unless they pay, you know put pay Peter Jackson like bucketfuls of money. Uh, but uh, we're going to be talking about the last Hobbit movie of the three, The Hobbit, The Battle of Five Armies. Uh, um, that's why we're playing a little Led Zeppelin in the background here. This is uh, th- there's, uh, there's, there's Hobbit stuff in this one. Or, well, I think it's technically Lord of the Rings because they talk about Mordor in this one. But uh, Yeah, toward the end. Yeah, and I was just like, well, I don't know how long I'm going to let it play. But, we'll <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this is the last one, man. Do you think that this is the last one? Uh, I, I kind of do, actually. I, I think so too, and, I'll, and I'll come, we'll talk about why we kind of think it is the last one because a couple of people are going like, oh well, you know, he still could do the Cimmerillion type stuff, and there's some still some things yeah. he could do. Um, but I don't, I don't think so. I think this is it, and I, I think, and we'll talk about how this, how the shortest of all the Lord of the Rings movies, or, or, or all the Lord of the Rings books rather, got put into three different movies, uh, and why yes. that particularly was. So. Um, Anyway, so yeah, that's that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about uh, The Hobbit, but uh, we also need to get into a little bit of what you've been watching. I'm going to... Oh, see, here we go. Oh, he's talking about Mordor now. All right, anyways. <laughs> you Listen, if you haven't heard that song, something's wrong with you in the first place. So just know that much. Um, but anyways, uh, let's let's get into... Matt, have you watched anything interesting this week? So I, I want to address a couple of movies that I know you saw, but uh, we haven't discussed really um, because they were kind of during our hiatus, right? <laughs> um, so the first one I want to talk about is uh, Dracula Untold. Ah, and it has a connection to the movie we're talking about today. Woo-hoo. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. it does. Yeah. Um, so I did not hate this movie. Uh, I also didn't hate the oh, robot um, out there. What didn't you hate? 
I didn't hate this movie. No, no, no. (laughs) We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Let's tell a story. Uh, So I I didn't hate Dracula Untold. Uh, It's got problems. It's not great. But I will say that after uh, like watching Tusk and Pyramid back to back, it was nice to have like a really refreshing, just mediocre, mindless movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, there were there were things that I really liked about this thing. Uh, I did not go to see it in theaters. Right, it's already out of theaters. I didn't see it in 3D or whatever the hell other formats it was released in. Uh, I just watched it on my laptop. Um, and I had a good old time sitting by myself with my headphones in watching Dracula until, um, it was a serviceable monster movie. I felt like, uh, it, it was nowhere near as bad as most of the other Dracula movies. And, uh, it, it is, I think one of its biggest downfalls is that it presents itself, uh, as what I think is maybe the worst genre of movie. Uh, or the worst type of movie that can be fit into genres is uh, it's the, the, this is the real story genre. The one right? you've never um, heard of. Yeah, exactly. Finally uh, unfolded. <laughs> and I have to say, even by those standards, this one was pretty solid. Um, much better than the Robin Hood, uh, much, me- much better than the King Arthur, right? Um, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought that, uh, what's his name? Uh, Luke, Luke Evans. Uh, Evans. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was great. Um, he's always solid, uh, as, as a like bro, I guess, in all these <laughs> movies. Uh, and, uh, I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it either. I certainly didn't love it, but, uh, I, I, the biggest thing for me, uh, walking out of that was, was man, I really want to see the sequel to this more than I wanted to see this movie. Yes. Because slight well, spoiler alert for the, the end. <laughs> well, slight, slight spoiler alert for the end is that, you know, it, it transports us all the way to modern day. And Dracula's going around in modern day. I'm like, this is what I want to see. Let's put this on. I want to see that. Yeah. Well, and, and that's when it starts to get into the mythos of it, right? Like like the story of Dracula we all know. Um, but it's also tweaking that in its own setup a little bit, right? Because the way that the film presents him as becoming the vampire is that he makes a, makes a deal with this older evil that's in this cave above, you know, uh, his castle. Um, and, uh, you know, he says in the future, I'm going to come and call on you and you have to be of service. Right. And, and, it, and that is what is gearing up in the last moments of this movie, I'm also more interested in seeing that movie than I am in watching this movie again. Um, but I have to say, uh, that is probably part and parcel of generally most of the, this is the real story you've never heard before type of movie, right? Is they always end at the point where like the legend starts and the legend honestly is most, mostly always better than whatever they're presenting as the real story behind the legend. Right. (laughs) Uh, so, so I, I I wasn't as miffed about that because I feel like it's just a little, like it's standard for the type of movie this was. Yeah. Well, and here's, I mean, my biggest thing was, is that by and large, this movie was better than it had any right to be. It wasn't a great movie, but it was better than on paper and executionally probably should have been. 
Yeah, and I have to say, as far as reimaginings of classic uh, monster mythos, um, it was like so much better than I Frankenstein that. I mean, I didn't see I Frankenstein, but that's more based on a, a comic from what I understand, though. Yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still dealing with the same thing, right? The same like, kind of deal. It, yeah, well, it's not necessarily like the untold story. It's more like a, a reimagining of, of the Frankenstein myth, right? Um, where he's sexy. Uh, and uh, I just, <laughs> yeah, where he's sexy. Um, and I just, I don't know, that movie sucked. We'll probably review bit. it on uh, Here Movie Podcast <laughs> at some point. Yeah, you should. We'll have uh, to. Because it, it probably does fit more in that milieu uh, than it would in anything that I feel comfortable talking about. Because I'll just bag on it for 20 minutes. Um, which you guys might too, but at least it'll be uh, within, a, within a context. It'll come, for, it'll come for, at least I'm sure Bruce has probably read the book. So <laughs> at that point. Oh, yeah, it'll come from multiple directions. He'll have read it and then, you know. That'll be, it'll um, be like, this is why it really sucks. <laughs> so let's talk about this other movie that I didn't hate. Um, and I'll tell you why I didn't hate it. So this movie uh, is the much uh, shat upon um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm -hmm. um, and I did not hate it only because after watching it, uh, there were moments that I did enjoy, right? That took me back to my own childhood. Um, and it seemed to me, uh, after having read so many people bag on it back when the movie came out, it seemed to me that one, one thing that all those, uh, negative reviews were overlooking was this movie really was geared toward a preteen audience. It yeah. really was right. But all of the negativity that I feel like got associated with this film, with, with the Ninja Turtles, and, uh, in, August or September, whenever this movie came out, right, was associated with the fact that a bunch of guys our age in their 30s yeah. um, were pissed off because it wasn't how they wanted the Ninja Turtles to be. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, um, I've recently indulged myself in some of the older Ninja Turtles stuff, and it sucks. Well, it's fucking, it is, it is, it is as fucking bad now to me as someone, uh, who, who is of our age, right. In our age group, it is as bad to me as this movie was like, I have a, I have a more nostalgic attachment mm -hmm. to the older stuff. Right. But objectively it is as terrible. Oh, absolutely. It's like when you think back about like Ninja Turtles and growing up watching it, well, I mean, like what's the first thing that comes to mind is that badass theme song. And and like if you pop in like one of the DVDs or you go because like I'd like I'd won some contest or something and somebody had like in like it was like a really super random prize pack. And one of them happened to be a disc from one of the Ninja Turtles DVD things. And I was like, well, I'll watch this. I'll check out some Ninja Turtles. It's been a long time since I've seen any of this. And, you know, the theme song comes in and you're like, oh, Hell yeah, man! This is bringing back some memories. You get in a show and it was like the first appearance of Casey Jones, and it was just like, holy crud! This is awful. This is really, really yeah. bad. Well, and and so when it comes to this movie, I'm really forgiving because uh, I think that what tainted everybody for for this film was they expected it to be for the people who were experiencing the original product and to have grown up with them, and it absolutely didn't do that. Um, 
and I didn't mind that. It it it, it is a film that is for preteens. Yeah, and and for that demographic, I feel like it's a really solid movie, actually. Um, and I guess that's pretty much all I have to say. I didn't even hate it. Like the action was good. Uh, the story was thin and there was uh, really stupid half-assed jokes. But like I said, if I look at this movie, like I look at the fantastic four movies, right? I don't bag on those movies because uh, I know that if I were 12, I would watch them shits all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I feel the same way about the the new Ninja Turtles movie. It was a solid enough attempt at making uh, an action movie that was geared toward preteens and even in its PG-13-ness, right, was not like many PG-13 movies pushing an R rating. Yeah. I felt like it was very solidly like this right is something there. for like 10 to 15-year-old boys mm-hmm. that – that you could feel safe with them watching it. And there's not like, uh, any like sex stuff going on all the time. Or, um, like even the violence is a little cartoony, right? There's yeah. I mean, they never, that stuff, right? they rarely, if ever even, and this is something that's, I guess happened and, and, and something I didn't really know about, but I guess, uh, is one of the big edicts is, is a lot of times they very rarely, if ever draw weapons. In a lot of right. things. So, you know, I mean, even that stuff is scaled down a big time. Yeah. And, and there's uh, there's a point to them also like they've become a little more batman in that they don't actually kill the people. Most of the right. Like, yeah, like uh, Shredder ostensibly at the end is dead. Um, but other than that, it's just kind of like all of the Foot Clan. Right. They tie them up neatly for the police to find. Or if they do die, it's because, like, the building collapses or something explodes that they weren't even responsible for anyway. Yeah. Right? And we won't spend Um, too much more time on it. But, like, the big thing is— Yeah, the big thing about me was just, like, the only problem that I had with it, and I don't expect it to be—like, I I forgive a lot of things. My only biggest problem was is because I had rewatched the original uh, 89—it was 89 Ninja Turtles? Or 91, mm-hmm. one of those. It's right in that area, anywhere within those first yeah. th- couple of years. Um, and, uh, gosh, there was, like, as cheesy as a lot of this stuff is, as bad as a lot of it is, too, there's a joy in watching that movie. And, like, and you you see these, you know, these characters being more like, you know, kind of teenagery type characters. And there was just, there was this, even though it was, it was pretty dark for its time, too, for, I mean, for young kids, kids that were our age when, we, when that movie came out. Um, mm-hmm. th- there was a there was a lot of fun to it too, a lot of jokes and like and like good joke jokes. I mean, but th- there wasn't as much of that in here as I thought there could have been. There was no super joy to it. But if you guys want to hear like a really uh, you know decently long uh, podcast about this, go to hearmoviepodcast.com. dot com. Just search uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and uh, that'll come up there. We reviewed that uh, a couple yeah. of months back when it debuted. So I think I gave it to Stephanie Brown at the time, but honestly, I've been doing a lot of holiday shopping and stuff, and so I've been out in the stores, and I see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out on uh, DVD and Blu-ray and stuff this week, and I tell you, mm-hmm. I'm looking at it, and like part of me is like, you know, it wasn't so bad. I kind of feel like I might want to buy that, you know? Yeah, it, it's not. I mean, that's the that's the thing. Like, I hear you talk about the like how joyful the the original film is um while also being kind of dark i feel like this this movie does that a little uh but it but it well but it does it to people who you no longer are that's probably true right like like you're still attaching 
your own fondness of like, oh, yeah, that's funny because I've always laughed at that because it was a joke that was geared toward not only someone who was that age in 1989, but also someone who like is in the generation of people that film was made for. Hmm. Right. And so so I feel like this is a proper updating, if you will, um, that. I can't be too hard on because it really is not for me, even as somebody who grew up watching Ninja Turtles and like having all those shitty action figures, right? Yeah. Any more than, uh, than like the people who were bitching about the cartoon show and the movies back then true. not being anything like the comics were like, true. that's fine. I get it. It really is not for you though. Yeah. I got to say the snow that's the snow scene the mountain the old slide down the mountain that's the best scene in the movie damn it's pretty good actually I like that Yeah it's good I like yeah, that Yeah it a bunch. reminded me of of uh, that uh, long ass chase in Tintin and the barrel thing in the second hobbit movie Yeah it's good uh, stuff as just like this perpetual motion machine kind of I thing like, I, I liked thought it, a bunch. it was great Yeah that that was the highlight of the movie for me for sure Okay anyway we're done what what have you been watching adam um nothing too much uh i guess pretty much the big thing is uh i mean i've been fairly busy with a lot of different crap going on but i just checked out uh i mean i was like i said i was in the store and uh, they had gremlins on blu-ray for sale and i'd had it on dvd forever and just never upgraded to blu-ray the blu-ray significantly to me looks a a good bit better than the dvd did uh so i picked that up and of course gremlins 2 is available on blu-ray as well for like four dollars and 75 cents so i'm like why can i not get this um, so I picked that up too, but that's been about it. I've been, I need to, uh, we only got a couple more days here and I got to catch up on some, uh, a couple of Christmas movies before the uh, season ends here. So, uh, but that's been about it really. Nothing, nothing too spectacular other than that. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a good aspirational, uh, thing to do is like, I should watch gremlins definitely so definitely watch gremlins and I've i mean already, it's fucking christmas next yeah week. i've already got Die Hard out of the way so that was that was i got that <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got that one ready it's locked and i got that one we did that one just after uh thanksgiving so i um, know oh, i watched that on christmas every fucking year <laughs> but uh, uh yeah so a couple of the staples still coming up but uh that's always fun anyways let's get into our big review of this week everybody it's it's been how wait how many years total have we been doing the the the, the all the lord of the rings movies since 2001 that's what i say it's 2001 13 right? years yeah. holy smoke so <laughs> over a decade worth has all led up to this there's still kind a year of. left because the next step is uh, the the extended edition. The extended of this, of this one. <laughs> so it will be uh, f- fourteen years once once that. So shit let's comes out. let's play the trailer and then let's talk about if the, anything needs to be extended. All right, so here's the trailer. Thorin, you gave a promise. You brought upon them only ruin and death. You've won the mountain, is that not enough? Now, we defend it. I came to reclaim something of mine. This was the last move in a master plan. A plan long in the making. These bats are bred for one purpose. For war. 
Sauron to me. Bilbo is right. You cannot see what you have become. Everything I did, I did for them. If you started this, you will forgive me if I finish it. When faced with death, what can anyone do? One question to answer. How shall this day end? All right, everybody, that was a trailer for uh, our new release review of this week, The Hobbit, The Five Armies, uh, starring, uh, you better watch yourself, kids, because we got a boatload of characters here. <laughs> so we have uh, Ian McKellen, Martin Freeman, uh, Richard Armitage, uh, Kate Blanchett, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Of course, Luke Evans that we talked about earlier. And Orlando Billy Connolly, Bloom. and then we can just move on. We Billy Connolly, Evangeline Lilly, Lily, Lee Pace, uh, Hugo <laughs> Weaving, Christopher Lee, I, Ian Holm, oh, Spencer Legolas. McCoy. <laughs> Starring Legolas. Stephen Fry. We have Legolas for some reason. Um, and, of course, you know, anyway, and Billy Connolly, which was like, I didn't forget, like, I didn't know he was in this. <laughs> that yeah, was kind of fun. pleasant surprise, honestly. Uh, so this is the last of the uh, of the Hobbit trilogy, the shortest book in uh, the, uh, the the Lord of the Rings series. I mean, if you can count, you know what I mean. You, you get what I'm saying, folks. I, I know it's not fucking whatever. The Middle Earth series. Middle Earth. There you go. That's a better way to put it. The Middle Earth myth- mythos. The mi- Middle Earth mythos. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going Lovecraftian. Hashtag Middle Earth mythos. Um so yeah, so it's the last one in this, and um, so let's let's before we get to the movie proper, uh, what what did you think of the? Well, let's start let's start let's start all the way at the back since this is going to be kind of almost a small retrospective in a way. What did you think? What were your thoughts on the first three Lord of the Rings movies? I like them. Here's the here's the thing. I am I am a huge nerd. I have never been a huge <laughs> fantasy nerd, and honestly, I uh, read. Only the first two books of the trilogy. Okay. Ever. I've never read the third book. And part of it has to do with uh, I get really, really bored with um, Tolkien describing grass. The style of storytelling in that book. Uh, In in that, um, like, one of the big problems I have with it is that, like, they tell me what is happening. And then it gets to a point where the fellowship meets someone else and they have like instead of just they meet someone and they tell them it like he tells them tell like he gives you their telling of what they've done so far to the next party that they meet. Yeah. And it's like I just I literally just read what happened. Uh, I don't it's it's the Christopher Nolan problem that I have. Right. The the show me don't tell me part yeah um and so i've just never been able to finish it i just can't go back the hobbit however 
uh, I really fucking like and have always liked. Uh, but I feel like it was written not as maybe self-consciously. Maybe that's a good way of putting it. Okay. And so I feel like it plays better uh, to my own sensibilities, right? And that's – I don't mean that to knock on The Lord of the Rings – uh, as, as a book series, they're very well written. They're just not my thing. Um, but the movies I really like, uh, I enjoy the hell out of them. Um, are they the greatest thing ever? Like some people think absolutely not. (laughs) They're, they're kind of all sloppy, uh, which is part of my, the pleasure I take in watching them actually is that they're all this weird, uh, like grab bag of ideas that Peter Jackson was able to somehow pull together into into this like cohesive work that shouldn't be able to work, but somehow does. Yeah, I mean the fact that the way that this thing started out, and the fact that it ever manifested itself into any movie at all is kind of astounding when you really go back in the uh the troubled history of this movie going back to uh you know it was going to be produced by Miramax at one point and they wanted right. to take it from two films down to just one film and then okay well we'll make it actually I mean it was supposed to encompass all three books but Miramax wanted to do one Peter Jackson was like well now let's do it in two finally ended up in the hands of uh <clears throat> Pardon me, over there at uh, at New Line, and then they were like, "Okay, New we're going to yeah. do three, actually." And so, and the fact that anyone gave the guy that, like, I mean, if you looked at Peter Jackson's uh, resume at that point, the fact that they were like, "Okay, let's give the guy who did Bad Taste, Dead Alive, and The Frighteners uh, all this money to, you know, do this thing that no one else had really done anything of this giant epic scale before," and if the first one flops, tough nuts. It's that's it. Yeah. Well, you know, you have to take like Peter Jackson, right, was known as a genre filmmaker, but he was also well known as somebody who was extremely critically successful, which is part of why they felt um, OK giving him that amount of money on a green light uh, is is that uh, like all of those movies, even though they're like weird, hokey genre movies, were all fairly critically respected. Um, as well as the fact that he'd also directed, uh, an amazing drama, um, Heavenly Creatures. Yeah, I was about to say, Heavenly Creatures, which had a little bit of, uh, a little fantasy elements to it as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think that, like, they felt okay giving him the green light on this because he was able to present such a strong case for his own vision, but also, um, like, they knew that he had respectability. He wasn't just like Paul W.S. Anderson coming in <laughs> who like makes entertaining movies that make a ton of money. Right. But, uh, they're not very good yeah. and people don't really like them. They, they saw in Peter Jackson, someone who probably had the ability to pull off these types of movies as well as, uh, you know, their weirdness and all that stuff, as well as like retain some sort of, critical respectability, which would help them in the long run. Right. And now I, I got to say, I'm a huge fan of the first three movies. Uh, when uh, when Return of the King came out, I actually I was living in Orlando at the time 
And they uh, AMC, uh, I, don't, I don't know if Regal was doing it at the time, but I know AMCs were doing it all across the country, where they decided to do a Trilogy Tuesday, which was on the Tuesday then they would bring out Lord of the mm-hmm. Rings, Two Towers, and then followed up with a near-midnight screening. It's actually before midnight, screening of Return of the King. But it would be the first two extended back-to-back and then Return of the King. And right. I um, Orlando sold out in like 30 minutes. So I had to, drive, I had to dr- get my ticket, drive to Tampa, in order to actually see it. So I drove to Tampa to see The Lord of the Rings by myself, a guy in film school who went to see these films with no one else. No, I couldn't convince anyone else that I went to film school with to go see films all day in a theater. That made me just mental that they were just like, dude, that's way too long to sit in a movie theater. I'm like, what the fuck are you here for? Shouldn't this be like the, the best day for you ever to go and do this? This should be a dream come true. And you know what? It fucking was. It was fantastic. And, you know, and I, sadly, I didn't have anybody to share it with. I could only look at the person beside me and go, I don't know you, but that was pretty dope, right? Um, so, I mean, and then come a little bit later, before The Hobbit came out, they um, they re, uh, they redid the thrill, uh, another all-extended back-to-back-to-back. And uh, I did that again. So I've seen both trilogies back to back, or, or both, or both, all three of the uh, original Lord of the Rings trilogies back to back in the theater twice. So, um, and mm-hmm. I almost did it with this one, but I couldn't get off work in order to to do the full thing. And I just it just did work out with PTO and a whole bunch of other kind of crap. But uh, I mean, if they were to do, do do it again, I would do it for sure. Uh, but. So that that leads me to to the to let's now let's get into the Hobbit once yourself. What did you think about the first two Hobbit movies? Uh, I think that they're both solid enough. I don't I don't hate these movies. Mm. Uh, people, there are some people out there that really really hate them. Um, I I don't. I think they're fine. Uh, I like their jokiness. I like the different tone that they have from the Lord of the Rings movies. The second one I thought was much better than the first one. Um, but you know, like my problem with the first one wasn't even that it was, it was so drawn out. I liked some of the things that they added into it that aren't in the Hobbit, for example. Uh, but I think consistently my gripe with the films has been their like need to foreshadow things or recall things that happen in Lord of the Rings. Right. I don't, I don't feel like you need to explicitly tie in in the way that these movies do to that original set of films. Uh, I'm talking about like the extended sequence in the first movie at the very beginning where it's like uh, Bilbo in the Shire, right? Like, um, you mean like the the, the book and, and stuff? talking to Frodo, right, and having Elijah Wood come in for that? Little I like bit. a little or, bit. That's the only part of the some of that stuff that I did like was the book no, end, the beginning of that like one at the end of this one. I didn't. I did not <laughs> but, care for those. But but I but I also right like I don't mind Peter Jackson adding in characters, um, particularly if it's like in the service of building up the mythos that. Um, Tolkien already has in some of the apocrypha, right? The stuff that he didn't finish or like his notes and all that stuff. Um, As far as like being able to give a sense of the overall history of Middle Earth. um, If he adds a few characters here and there who aren't necessarily mentioned by name or like have significant parts of the story, that doesn't bother me. I don't know why Legolas was in any of these. I didn't, I didn't mind that he was really, but it is kind of irksome. Um, I think it's integrated well, but that still doesn't like justify it to me. Right. Um, 
I think that's been my consistent gripe. I like the first two a whole lot. And uh, I know you want to talk a little bit about the tech of all of this, but yeah, we'll, uh, I we'll guess get, we can yeah, we can we'll, hang on for that. We'll get in that. Uh, I, th- I think we'll I think we'll kind of round up with that. Um, with the first one, um, the first one I liked it a good amount. I didn't I didn't hate it. And we'll talk about we'll talk about some of the tech and the reason why I may not have liked it the first time I saw it. Um mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of I agree with a lot of your statements on on most of this stuff. Is that the second one I thought was a, a much much stronger film. Um, I think a lot of that uh, does have to deal with uh, with Benedict Cumberbatch being Smaug and stuff like that. And I really and I thought at the same time with the first one, uh, the scene with Gollum almost like made that movie so strong. I mean, like I almost mm-hmm. got like I got chills watching that thing. It was so damn good it was it was fantastic and the smog stuff with the second one which kind of leaves me in and there's a little uh, foreshadowing here but that kind of left me a little wanting with this movie to not have a, another kind of we do have a, a main baddie but not one that's like uh either one of those in any respect and we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit but um um i i like the movies overall uh i think they do kind of uh and we'll talk about this totally, but I, I think they could. I think a lot of this stuff could be edited down. I don't at, at this point, and this this will be a summation for all three. But I don't think this needed to be three films. I think it really could have been two, um, and I, I think it could have been two really kick ass films and give me a lot of the lovely stuff special on Blu-ray, uh, so I can watch it and enjoy it that particular way. But as a whole, um, I I don't know that it it. It doesn't feel as cohesive to me as one full piece. Now, I've actually seen The Hobbit at this, uh, the the Five Armies. I've seen it twice now, and uh, so we'll talk about why I saw it twice in a minute. But uh, so let's let's start overall kind of uh, impressions of, of this one. Was this a good way to end this thing out for you? I think it was about as strong as it could be, right? Um, I mean, like the main narrative of The Hobbit really wrapped up in like the first 30 minutes of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, like most of the character arcs that are in the novel are already resolved. Um, it's, I don't know. It, it was, this is the first time that I was watching and I felt like it was maybe a little padded. Um, only because it was so much that isn't in the book proper. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I also didn't feel like it was long, which is an important distinction, right? So even though I felt like it was a little stuffed and things didn't need to be there, I felt like the movie was still paced adequately, uh, just like I've felt about the others, right? I've never sat through a single one of these Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit and thought this movie is going on for fucking too long. Um, and I think that in and of itself is is like an indicator of just how well made the movies are, um, to me at least, right? I mean, I'm sure there are people out there who are just like, these movies are too fucking long, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the sarcastic like memes I've been seeing going around about this movie is they're like, uh, time it takes to watch the Hobbit movie uh, – nine nine and a half hours or whatever right and then right. time it takes to read the hobbit is five and a half hours 
And it's like, well, that's almost beside the point. Because there's more shit in the, in the movies than there are in the yeah. book, so shut up. There's there's a whole lot more shit in the movies than there are in the book. And on top of that, that's also a completely asinine comparison, right? And uh, you don't like, know how slow I read, which is very. Yeah, you don't know how <laughs> slow someone reads, but, but also you don't know, right? Like, even if you're looking at the pages, uh, right. So if one page of a screenplay is roughly equivalent to one minute, th- yeah, one minute, which but if you're thinking about adaptations, right, depending on what the scene is, it can be one page of the novel or it can be 10 pages of the novel uh, have to be extrapolated. Right. And and in that scene, right, that can be one page of the screenplay or it can be a dozen pages of the screenplay. You don't fucking know because, like, the the mediums are completely different. Oh, yeah. And so just the method of adaptation in and of itself can can result, especially if you're doing what Jackson is doing here, right, which is trying to be uh, extremely faithful to the spirit of the book and have all of the big scenes in there kind of word for word – with slight variations because he's adding stuff in, right? Um, I don't know. I think like you, like that comparison just completely loses the point of what these movies are. And so, and I, and I'm also, I've always, always hated people who talk about the movie in relation to the film uh, of anything. Yeah. I always find that the most asinine conversation to have, regardless. Um, because I'll tell you what, man, uh, the maxim that most people adhere to of, of uh, movies or books being better than the movies is uh, not fucking true. Just not true. No, there, are it's, t- there are tons. It's, it's so close to being off most of the time than, than on that it's ridiculous. I mean, and people don't and, – yeah. and people – and, and look, I was the first person to do it, and like, and, and I, I catch flack on it for this podcast for many a time. But like, if, if there's a book that's going to be translated over into a movie, I mean, when it comes down to mediums, I much rather would watch a movie than a book. I mean, it's like Jim Gaffigan. You know what I didn't have to do for two hours? Read. But uh, but it's um, but I've had movies ruined by fantastically good books, and so I mm-hmm. and so you know what? I don't fucking do it anymore. I don't. Well, I don't read those things unless I'm doing it like after the fact. But it also doesn't matter to me, right? Like the the big thing for me uh, when it comes down to it is that um, adaptation is not translation. True. Right. Translation is a one to one equal zero sum. Right. Like that's it. That is the thing. It's the same thing transposed onto something else, right? An adaptation, um, and I've made this argument in relation to Watchmen before. I was about to say, Watchmen, Sin City, even stuff that have been adapted so closely well, there's still huge deviations. Yeah, and and part of that is that an adaptation uh, is a semblance of. It is literally taking what works in one medium and removing it from that medium and then reconfiguring it into another medium entirely. It's not like a translated work. Right. It is where it's word for word reprinted in another language. It is a com- it is a completely different telling of that same information. That's what this movie is. And so when people compare the book and say what I think are stupid things like, oh, this is only one book. Why does he got to make three movies? Um 
I mean, there's a piece of truth in that, but it has nothing to do with whether or not the book is better than the film, which is Precisely. what they're arguing. Precisely. I mean, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's and that, and that would be my gripe amongst all, all three films is that they could be just sharpened to a finer point to work better as a movie, as a um, an idea. And the reason that I think, and and, and I have no real, you know basis upon this to draw from but it's as it's just as my own thoughts um is that especially with like these last three films because initially the hobbit was supposed to come out as two films and then peter jackson went to uh warner brothers and said hey um i kind of have enough material uh to do three can i do three and of course warner brothers says we'd like money yes you can do another one if you would like and so i i once it went from two movies to three movies that really signified to me that Peter Jackson was like, I am going to I am going to squeeze every bit of water out of this rag so no one will ever fucking come back to me and say, will you please do another Lord of the Rings, something in yeah. the Middle Earth verse uh, movie ever again? I think he likes right. these movies well enough. I think he liked doing them. But I mean, as 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 listeners may or may not know, I mean, for this Hobbit trilogy, he didn't even want to direct them initially. He was like, look. Look, I'll produce these things, but I don't want to direct them. I, I took there's so many years taken off my life by doing the Hobbit movies. I love them to death, but really, I can't do this thing again. And for a while, uh, Sam Raimi yeah. was going to direct the Hobbit movies, and everybody's like, oh, yeah. was Sam, Sam Raimi was going to do, and then one. Del Toro was uh, actually going to go. Del Toro through. was attached to do like the second or second one at some point, right? Because he was supposed to do also the uh, like the Tintin sequel. Yeah, and right? so when they uh, those things so, fell off. And when you know they they have stuff to do and like and the Hobbit stuff just kind of kind of languished for a little bit, it got to the point where Peter Jackson's like, okay, I will finally do this, and uh, and I, and I think once he figured that out that he was going to be the one to do this, he's just like, I'm going to squeeze all the blood out of this until it is dead on the vine, and there's nothing else anyone can ask me to do anymore. And to a degree, I can't blame him. Yeah. You know. But overall, I mean, I, I like this movie. I, I, I think I think you had a very good point of that. It is long, and yes, there are things that could be cut, but you're absolutely correct in as much as as long as it is, it does not overbloat this piece. You don't feel bored, and the pacing of it, like you said, is dead on mm -hmm. to where nothing is boring. And like I said, I've seen this thing twice now, and mm -hmm. I was never bored at all. Yeah, I mean, if, if I think if this entry has a flaw uh it, right compared to the other two it's that there's not enough downtime sometimes you're right there's so that's the I, like it, there's so much like going it, on like it gets it just ramps up to battle and ramps up to battle and ramps up to battle and like it just keeps going right the last half of this movie is a battle scene the last three-fourths of this movie is a battle scene <laughs> Well, I about. mean, proper, right? Where people are actually fighting. Right. Is the last full half, right? Um, and and so if there's a flaw, it's that to me. Uh, but, you know, probably not to most people because that's what they want to see. They want to see like, a bunch of battle and shit. Yeah, I mean, and like I think that the, in a way there's almost too many balls in the air at the same time to where, I mean, you still get a grasp on everything, but it still feels like maybe somewhere has been shorted a little bit somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little bit. That's but, my uh, only so kind let's, of. Gripe. Let's talk for a minute about uh, about uh, Billy Connolly. Okay, because because he's great. <laughs> I just I just want to like talk about how good he is. 
And he's there, and he's in so much like bizarre makeup, right? He plays a dwarf. He almost looks like a CGI um, character. The way he, the the weird the way his makeup is. Yeah, he does. He looks like um, he's CGI'd up. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird, right? Uh, but uh, here, <laughs> I don't know. I uh, that was like the most pleasant surprise for me was <laughs> hearing his voice, who has shown up. Um, I don't know. I enjoyed the hell out of his his role in this movie. Was, I mean, because um, you and, hear his voice in a wide shot, and you're like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that's the other strong point for these two, right? Like, I, I feel like all the performances are really good. Um, yeah. I don't feel like there's real false note to any of it. Uh, I feel like the weakest character is definitely the uh, shifty-eyed shit cake uh in lake town <laughs> the, right? the, the worm tongue uh, for a new generation yeah that guy right like <laughs> he like i don't know every time i come up uh, i like he would be on screen in this movie i was just like oh this fucking guy again i don't but, know uh, there's part of I him also, that i kind of feel like it plays well because it does give you moments of levity yeah um and and definitely for uh, the Hobbit, that's important because the tone of that book is so different, right? So if you're at a, if you're adapting the tone of the book, which is what these movies are doing, uh, you have to have those lighthearted things that maybe don't make sense if you're just uh, like a brooding thirty-something uh, nerd who who wants to like see a bunch of death and shit. Yeah. I mean, Maybe. you know, I, I, you know, and you, you gotta just love. It's just like not many men would be brave point, to put on a corset. I mean, there's like shit like that's yeah. funny. It's so stupid. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. it's but it's great. And I, I'll say this though, I think the big thing in this, the the real linchpin, even though that, granted, it's technically his his tale. Um, it, it doesn't solely focus on him, which I think also is a good thing in a way because it's all kind of happening to him, and this is the story with which he tells. Um. Uh, Martin Freeman's fantastic. Gosh, Martin Freeman is so good yeah. in all of, in all of these, and I, I think uh, even especially this one. Um, mm-hmm. There's just something that he does. There's you believe him as this character. He has a very genuine quality about him, and you just see that little face and you smile. You like you you like this character yeah. no matter what he does, and you're so behind him and well, want and him to succeed at everything he does. Well, I think what's also very impressive to me about Martin Freeman in, in, in these movies is that uh, he's able to take a role uh, that we already had a pretty good feel for from the first three movies, right? Uh, from Ian Holm, uh, of like who this character was and what he was like, even just in glimpses, mm-hmm. right? Because Ian Holm was very good in those moments. Uh, but he takes this role, which we all feel like we know what's going to be, and he makes it his own, right? Like he completely owns it. There's not any sort of, Oh, he's just trying to be like Ian Holm is in the other movies. Um, right. He, he is for all intents and purposes, uh, his own hobbit. He, he is. And like, but at the, while at the same time, but at the same doing time, a fairly appro- good approximation of what a younger, uh, you know, Bilbo would yes. be like as, as is portrayed yeah, in the other films. See, you can see the character arc that will come. Yeah. Right. Which is also, uh, like a hallmark of how good he is at the, at this performance, that it's not just him being that older thing. And that's why you can see it, but you can see it kind of built 
from his own understanding and portrayal of the character. And as is my recollection from the very first uh, a Hobbit trailer that we got for the first movie, uh, you know, there, there was a voiceover happening and everyone swore up and down it was Ian Holm and it was actually Martin Freeman. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he's had people trick from go. Yeah. So yeah. he's done such a great job with it. And um, I, I, you know, you, you bag on the bookend here, but it, maybe the bookend goes on a touch longer than I would have necessarily preferred. But at the same time, um, I, I kind of like the book. I'm glad they didn't bookend anything in between the movies. Uh, and yes. it's just at the beginning of the first one and at the end of the last one. I do like that. I don't. I, I would have really hated if they would have come in and just be like, by the way, Bilbo, or by the way, uh, Frodo, here's this other part of this thing, right? Like, that would have really sucked. So mm-hmm. thanks for thanks for not doing that because that would have been bad. Um, yeah. But I, I, I like how it all wrapped up, and it gave me it gave me a, a, a warm feeling inside going, well, this was good. I mean, it no, I agree. Was think, it as good as the first three? The no, but I liked it. It's not that they're there. It's that they... Like some parts of it are too specific. Now let's now let's yeah. talk a little bit more about the other stuff that makes that makes for the headache-inducing stuff in this. Uh, it is is some of that foreshadowing that is so fucking blatant that it's ridiculous. I mean, the most mm-hmm. egregious of all of them being the scene with Legolas and his dad, uh, Lee Pace and Orlando Bloom, where he's just going, "Hey, I can't stay in the uh, I can't stay in the Elven Village anymore. Well, go off, my son, and yeah. blah blah blah. You'll meet a you'll meet a ranger. I mean, they could have said ranger, and that would have been it. His name is Strider. That could have been it. I mean, there's yeah, two times so where you could have you could have you could have jumped ship right there. Those first the first time you could have jumped ship, and the second time you had two chances to jump ship, and you didn't do it. And then you made it like a fucking yeah. murder mystery dinner where you're like, his real name you'll have to find out on your own. <laughs> like he almost didn't even he almost yeah. did that chuckle. So the one that Laura pointed out, and I and I saw this uh, on Facebook before I actually saw the movie, but I knew exactly what was going to happen. Uh, was fucking Christopher Lee um, when they find out that Sauron's back. Yeah. And uh, he's counter and they're like, they're like, no, let's go after him now. And then Christopher Lee in that fucking close, like three quarter close up, just like leave Sauron to me. Like I didn't. uh, And and Laura's comment, right. But like as much as I didn't mind that part of the foreshadowing, what was cheesy about it was uh, like Laura's comment about it was very spot on, which was like, you could all, like she was surprised the way she put it. She's like, I, I'm surprised that Christopher Lee didn't just wink at the audience. <laughs> you know what I'm said. talking about, guys? <laughs> like mm, Sauron. You remember me like, and Sauron that first movie? I'm a that, bad guy right? now. Like, even, even though I feel like it works, there's still like something about it that I'm just like, why is it this obvious? It almost you know? could. It almost could have been just a restructuring of the line a little bit. Of just going, or like not have him be in that extreme close up, or anything. <laughs> like have a whole conversation about how they should just go now, and like, like he should just be like, I could go take care of this, right? It could be something very simple, yeah. but no. There's a whole conversation about why they should go and kill Sauron now before he becomes powerful. Again. <laughs> he was up front and center, going, and, "I got and this." And then y'all. front and center, like, "I got this, guys." It's okay. <laughs> you're right. No, it's it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's not wrong, but I didn't mind it at the same time. Yeah. Yes. 
That's <laughs> it's that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. So uh, overall, I, I think we both pretty much enjoy this movie. And like, and, and let's be honest, anyone who's seen this movie is going to go see it. I mean, you're not going to tell anybody not to go see this because they're going to. Have you seen the other movies? You're going to go see this one because yeah, well, you, would, you have to. Because you know who you are, right? I th- yeah. Like we were talking uh, about uh, earlier, how we didn't really either one of us watch trailers for this movie. Yeah. Um, and I and I proposed that it's probably like I knew it was coming out. I knew I was going to go see it. I don't need to like watch trailers for that. Like, and I, and I feel like Warner brothers knew that, right. Which is probably like, I don't know. There wasn't a whole bunch of stuff all over TV, right? Really in the last week is when, when any of the promotion has ramped up period. Right. With the one last time hashtag and all that shit. Um, but really it's been like the last seven days. And, uh, I really think that it's just like Warner brothers knows that, people are going to show up and watch this movie by this point. Yeah. It's the last one of six. <laughs> Hashtag, you know, you're gonna. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's, and, and it's not like these movies. <laughs> Hashtag obligation. <laughs> well, it's also like these movies, these movies do not have a reputation of other series that go on too long. Right. Like, uh, like the saw movies, how steadily over time, like after the fifth one, finally they started to lose money six was I mean, good. Not, not lose money but they <laughs> they didn't make as much money right? right right um i think like you know there's a point when the studio can just read the writing and say like people are tired of these let's not do it um but they already knew these guys were going to show up so why advertise the fuck out of it yeah you know save your I money mean, if you if you if you didn't watch the first two and like it then who are why, they marketing why to? are you here yeah all right, so with that said, let's uh, let's get into some let's let's get into the tech of this thing, because I think this is a very important piece. Now, uh, it's not available everywhere; it's available in select theaters. Um, there's actually and most places have have a location. Yeah, most, most places yeah. have one location. Uh, but there, there's several different ways you can see this movie, and I'm going to go over all of them. It's not nearly as many as the first one because there were still a couple 35 millimeter projectors still around then, but. Uh, so you can see this in 2D digital. You can see it in 3D digital. You can see it in IMAX, which is going to be 3D as well. And mm-hmm. you can also see it in 3D high high frame rate. Uh, also kind of a 3D, uh, th- uh, real 3D high frame rate. Yes. Um, and so that is what, uh, now I have actually watched this twice. The first time I watched it in uh, the, the, the high def frame, or the high, uh, high, high frame rate. And uh, the second one I actually watched in 2D. And we'll get about to which one I kind of prefer. Um, so just a quick primer for all of you uh, that don't really know quite a lot about this. Uh, so film, uh, since almost the dawn of film, nearly, you know, I mean, I'm, this has been the standard for just about 100 years, maybe even a little bit over that, depending upon there's a couple of frame variations. But uh, that's a whole nother thing. But by and large, 24 frames a second is the persistence of motion for AI to go, hey, I, that's what I'm seeing on film is actually moving and not just, you know, a picture that is moving uh, succinctly after one after another at a um, minimum exactly below that is is a little iffy yeah you start to uh, get a little bit of like oh i 
see a little something in here. But yeah. so 24 has kind of been the standard for a long, long, long time. Uh, so there had been experiments with higher uh, frame rates before, but nothing of of a very substantial accord. Uh, mm-hmm. But this, so the Hobbit, the initial one coming out, the first, the first Hobbit, uh, Unexpected Journey, is that what it's called? I think, yeah, I think this name is version. Yes, Unexpected um, Journey, and then that was the that was the first one to be released in this high uh, high frame rate to a mass audience. And yes. uh, so when I first saw the initial one, so they're taking the uh, regular twenty four frames a second and doubling up to forty eight frames a second. Now, mm-hmm. in a traditional movie camera, if you ramped it up to forty eight frames, you, normally you play that back out and it's still twenty four. So it's going to be a slower motion thing because you took more frames in the time that it would to actually shoot it. Yeah, that that creates slow motion. Exactly. So with Mm -hmm. this one, though, they're shooting in 48 and then displaying in 48. So you're seeing twice as many frames as you see normally through a film. And so Mm -hmm. this definitely changes the way that your eye perceives the, uh, the film that's going on. Now... Uh, with my first experience with uh, the the first Hobbit movie in high frame rate, is that it bothered me a lot. It actually bothered a lot of people. I think uh, the it bothered first, me a little bit too. The first the first uh, the first things that you started hearing about was because it's in the, the first scene is in the you know the kind of bright Shire there and everything, and uh, Gandalf comes walking up and uh, Bilbo's there, and it's right in the nice super bright sun, and it looked like everyone said this looks like a BBC you know drama from television put on a giant movie screen and uh there's a lot of things a lot of sets look like sets they don't look like actually it doesn't look like a film it looks like television and um supposedly a lot of this stuff got a little bit fixed for the uh second one i didn't bother seeing uh desolation of smile again uh in in high frame rate i was i was just i was just like i'm put off too much i'm not gonna watch it i watched it in 2d and thoroughly enjoyed it in 2d um, and then uh, I finally watched this third one here in high in high frame rate because people had told me they're like no 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 they fixed it with the second one it's a lot better because here's yeah. some of the problems that I was having and um, so w- when I watched in the first one it whatever you ever watch a YouTube video where like the buffering doesn't work quite right and you hear the audio and then all of a sudden the video starts to catch up to get back to the audio but the video starts going in a, you know really fast frame to catch up to where it is uh, with the audio and the timeline. That's what it looked like a lot of times. It's just people speeding up and walking across the thing. And um, I'm here to say it, it's it's slightly better, but not by a lot. I, uh, I disagree. A little. I, I disagree. I, I think it looks great. high frame rate. I think, the, I think high frame rate actually looks really terrific now. I think there are um, elements of it that do, but I'll talk about uh, that. So part of, part of the issue uh, that, that you're confronting is strictly – uh, your standards of viewing, right? That, I mean, that's, that's the biggest hurdle that people have with this. Uh, 24 frames for film has been, um, the standard for, uh, some 80 something years at this point, almost. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, right. Like that is the standard to the United States, and to the West, right? For film, generally, period. Uh, When you start talking about television, however, that's where things get really interesting. Um, So television was approximated to look like film uh, in the United States uh, after they stopped shoot, after they started shooting on video, right? 
So uh, one of the things that happens when they shoot on video is they actually shoot at a higher frame rate for, for television um, than 24 frames a second. Uh, and this has to do with uh, like the lines, uh, lines of data refreshing and all that stuff on the magnetic strip, but as well as like now that they're shooting in digital, uh, how often those lines are, are um, being refreshed, mm-hmm. right, per second. Um, and so if you think back to the first few like HD TVs, for example, right, people were complaining even then about how it looks wrong, right? Do you remember all of this? I mean, there, well, there, there's a bit of that, but I mean, that like, I mean, we're getting into like a pretty technical thing of which I, I happen to know a good bit about, but you're no, getting into fine. thing like three, but, two pull down and shit like that, that but, I mean is... But yeah, Fairly right. But what's happened, right, is now that HD is standard, right, for television, uh, people can't watch or they don't they complain about older shows. Have you noticed this phenomenon? Well, where people just go, right, this is beside the point slightly. But what I'm trying to get at is that you have standards in that are in your mind, right? of this is how things are supposed to look because this is what real is realistic versus this is what is realistic. So part of the other issue, right, when people say that it looks like it's a PAL uh, release, right, it's a British drama, uh, BBC show, um, is that the PAL uh, signal has always carried more information visually than the NTSC signal here in the States, well, which mean, was the standard. But if you're looking at like literal frames a second, PAL is actually closer to film than, than NTSC is because PAL is going to be 25 my, versus point. the 30. That's my point. But when you watch it here, right, If uh, particularly broadcast, which is where a lot of people have that perception because right. if you go and watch a BBC show on um, – on like an HD TV or you watch it on Netflix, right. Or, or, or something like that, that is how it should look. But when people were watching it kind of just broadcast, uh, it was being converted into NTSC. Right. right. Um, which does one thing, right. Which is it increases, uh, the fields per in- second that are actually being, that were actually exactly. natively produced. Yes, exactly. And so one thing that's happening when they up the frame rate to 48 frames per second is that your eye your eye doesn't actually perceive 48 frames. That's one problem, right? It can like it can really only process something in the range of around 40 frames per second mm-hmm. visually and make sense of them. So so even though it's being projected at 48, you're dropping frames from your own vision, from your own cognition. Literally, because you're lit because you can't keep your eyes open constantly. <laughs> well, and, be- and because your <laughs> eyes just can't process that much visual information at As any well. given moment. Right. So so that's one thing that's happening. The other thing is that we have this he- this long history of 24 frames being what looks realistic. Mm-hmm. And when we see something that is literally gathering and then playing back more visual information than we're used to, let alone more than what we can perceive, it takes a little bit of time for that shift to occur. Mm-hmm. And for me, I really got into it. Um, so whereas I had the same problems with the first one, the second and third one uh, films I thought had 
corrected most of the issues. I don't think that it's perfect yet. Um, but you know, it's a brand new style, right? And, and it's kind of Jackson isn't even the person who came up with the idea to do right. it, right? Like this was kind of James Cameron's baby of technological development, right? Don't tell um, that to I mean, it, it had been something that people had bandied about, but this was really like an idea that James Cameron was trying to get behind being like, this is the new technology we need to start using. And that right? motherfucker and so, actually wanted to go all the way to 60, which he's now recanted. Uh, I know he did. Um, but so, so I feel like Peter Jackson was on a bit of a learning curve very quickly after deciding. And one of the things that I felt inhibited the first one the most was I don't feel like he and he changed the way the movie was lit yeah, to accommodate accordingly, specifically for the first film shooting at 48 frames. So when you watch it play back at 24, right, you've, you've seen it in 24. I saw the first one in 24 after I saw it in the high frame, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Looks fine. Yeah. Looks like, no like, like, looks like it looks like, looks a, like, like everything a else, right? Hobbit movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing that happened, I don't feel like was he wasn't adjusting the lighting enough in very particular ways, right? Like not under lighting it because, because if the film was under lit, it would look terrible at 24, but he was lighting. it probably like pretty much only for 24. And what that did when, when he was shooting at 48 and then playing back at 48 was all that extra light information was being transferred directly, right? Mm -hmm. With no accommodation for it the second and third films i feel like he adjusted enough of what was going on technically that it worked and specifically what works the most about it is the ghosting in 3d for camera movement which was always the reason that they were interested in shooting at 48 right yeah it's I, mean, I, it, I still it, like, found a lot of the like I mean still shots to me were fantastic. I mean there's some great still shots here that aren't moving, but anytime you're moving on an X Y or especially Z axis, God it looked off. I didn't think so at all. I, I it, thought it looked great. The it whole still movie just had, I felt like looked looked really solid. Uh, um I felt like the the uncanniness uh, of the first one was gone too. I didn't feel like I was just looking at people in makeup. Uh, in these, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm behind the process. I, I don't think that it's perfect now. Right. I think that it still needs some work. I'm interested, even though I'm not actually interested in the movies, I'm interested in seeing what James Cameron does with the format for Avatar. That's the, that's really, that's the only thing that I'm interested to see with it. Because here's like one thing that I thought that, uh, 48 frames really does a spectacular job is, is with the CG characters. So this big orc mm -hmm. baddie that we've got in here in 48 frames a second, I mean, he looked good in 24, mind you, yeah. but in 48, he looks spectacularly good. Yeah. And well, yet think, the human counterparts how... looked so off compared to him. I'm, I almost want like a hybrid of can we do the can we do all these creatures in 48 and bring all of our humans in at 24 and have some sort of melding of this? I, I, what I'm saying is probably not even close to being fucking possible. But that's that's the thing that I would like. And, and that's what I think is curious with James Cameron. And while I'm interested, because by and large, that's going to be more CG heavy than even you know Lord of the Rings is. And mm -hmm. I think that will be a good marrying for that particular type of thing. I would love to see like a like a Toy Story or like any yeah a Pixar thing at forty eight frames a second. I think would be absolutely dope. I mean, yeah, I, I want to see I things like that. Happen, but I think what needs to happen, right? Like, 
I think you just need to put it in perspective, right? Peter Jackson has achieved really tremendous things actually with this technology, uh, given that he was the first person to just put it out there. Right. And, and he took so much shit for the first one, right? So much shit. Um, but I, I feel like he ended up at a space where I don't know, I'm sold on the potential of the tech at least. Uh, doesn't mean that I want to see everything shot at 48. It doesn't make sense. Right. Just like, I don't want to see everything shot in 3d. Right. But I, but I really did not, I don't know. I feel like the motion is handled better. The motion of the camera is handled better at, at 48 than, than it has been for 3d. Right. Which is the entire purpose is, is the motion of the camera. Hmm. I mean, that that's, that's always been their intent. Like the intent behind behind it is like trying to get out a way of shooting 3d where it doesn't feel like you're not just watching the movie. Now what I'm going to say sounds like a madman's, uh, uh, you know, errand, but there are glasses out there. I kid you not. There are glasses that are anti 3d glasses. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so part of me, cause I kind of did it a little bit with it's, it's, it's damn near impossible to watch more than you know forty seconds of it like it, but I kind of try to do a little one eye sort of thing just to see you know kind of what a two D sort of thing would look like with high high frame rate. I'd like to get a pair of those anti three D glasses and actually watch this in high frame rate in two D. There's only yeah, one I'd place that I know actually. that have actually done that. They did it at uh, you know Harry Knowles's big birthday party or whatever. I heard that that was one of the things they did was they were like we're the, one of the only few people ever that have actually watched this in high frame rate in two D. Um, so I think that would have been interesting to see. Um, here's my biggest thing is, I, and, and I think you're right. I mean, to, to, to a degree, I, de- I agree with you in as much as I think there can be in specific applications a place for this technology. However, I think, I mean, and, and yes, he has gr- grown leaps. It, it is definitely better than I saw within the first one because it had a lot more problems. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But um, I think one of the big problems – uh, for this is, like you said, I think it's part of the lighting was in the first one and stuff. But I also think a lot of this, too, is going to be your DI, is going to be your coloring, is going to be a lot of these things that you oh, yeah. can change in post that I don't think that they've really got yet. Because I no, think well, with the extreme think- 3D and everything, you really mm-hmm. start to see things in a weird, funky little way. And I think once they really ha- learn how to DI this shit properly... Uh, we may get something that looks really good. I think it's a good stepping stone in order to get to that particular place, but uh, I don't think we're there yet. And I want to talk real quick about yeah. another thing that I think may be a problem, and I don't know. And I want to, I would love to find out and go to wherever something would be considered a flagship thing for this, to where I know everything is 100%. Because part of me, when I see like some of that stuff, like I said, the kind of YouTube slow down, speed up sort of deal, I also think is the system that uh, was you know upgraded to do this high frame rate is it truly and properly capable of doing this a hundred percent of the time at its a hundred percent peak performance? I mean because I mean it's the same thing if you get a computer oh, yeah, that's that, kind of shitty it doesn't catch there. up right. Here, here's what I think's happening uh, with what you're talking about. Um, going back to the idea that there's more visual information than your eye can actually process. What's happening is, uh, especially when something's brightly lit, right? Um, 
if there are minor movements that happen very quickly, like exaggerated uh, facial expressions or like fingers moving really quickly, right? Like the first film, right? That opening Shire sequence, uh, just the act of trying to adjust to this new format, right? Mm -hmm. While watching Ian Holm in close up, like lick his Hobbit pen and start scribbling on the paper, right? And like all these little movements that were so exaggerated. Yeah. It looks sped up. Because the, like, instead of only capturing the essentials, which is what 24 does, right, to, to visually process that information so you know that the hand is grasping the pen on the pen, right, uh, it's giving you more information than you're used to seeing. It's literally capturing every little movement that's being gone, right? And so uh, it's kind of like having to adjust acting styles also for for this tech um just the same way right like that uh after a certain time in the silent era the like the theatrical mode of acting on film fell out of favor right right um and so i feel like like that just goes back a little bit at least in part to the to the amount of visual information that your brain is trying to process as, as well as you're still, especially very early on, there's always the settling in moment to yeah. like, oh, yeah, this looks different. I mean, even when you see the um, Warner Brothers logo, like, grins out, you're like, oh, fuck me. This is this is different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think that it's to me. It doesn't feel like that that lag time. It just feels like like my brain is still actually like my brain is the thing that's lagging behind behind what's happening and that and that physically is what's happening i don't like right? to I, well i don't want my movies telling me hey brain you're dumb i well it's not that it's just your cognitive process has to catch up to being into the right because you're so used to seeing the 24 frames yeah. and so when you see it your brain has to like get up to speed and be like oh yeah i'm watching this different thing it's it's a different like me like almost a different medium right yeah. um and and so you always have that kind of like moment where, you know, you just have to deal with it. Uh, movies telling me to deal with it, and so and just to, <laughs> that's it's, fuck you. Movie. It's just the it's just the cognitive. Uh, you deal like with physicality me physicality of, of it. You know, <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I don't. I'm not saying I, I. I get it. I just don't like it. Um, but I. I in, in, You're not used to it. Well. It hasn't been the thing you've been watching since. That's you were like saying, "Look, man, I know you're not used to getting punched in the face, but after a while, you'll get used to it. Maybe, fuck, maybe it's you'll even love it." It's not the same. It's <laughs> not the same. It's not the same at all. If if you were only like used to watching very specific types of things, right, that were shot very technical ways, and that was all you had seen, and then you watched this. Yeah, you're going to be it's going to be jarring, right? Well, and and here's my other thing. It's a break with the traditions of the art form. True. And 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 sometimes those things go very well and sometimes they go very badly. But it but I think <laughs> in this case it's it has less to do with what the medium is actually doing and more to do with what like we generally consider our standards of realism, right? The the way that we process the information as presenting something that is realistic which on a on a conscious level right we know is like complete bullshit nothing up there is real whatsoever but because of the history of the presentation the, the way that editing has always worked the way that 
things have been shot at 24 frames per second for at least as long as I've ever been watching movies. Right. Um, you bring all of that, like it does build into you a biological history of this is what is real when I'm watching things. Whereas, you know, uh, you might look at a computer game, right. That is only imagined in, in, in computer graphics. Yeah. Round, and, and say the, the, this like doesn't look do fucking realistic, frames. right? Yeah. But if you, if by that same token you had only ever seen computer generated images, would would you then think like that's realistic? Perhaps. I mean, now here's the thing. Now, to me, I I think 48 frames has a has a future. I don't think it's in I don't think it's in theatrical films. What I would love to see this is I would love to see sporting events. I would love to see real life things in this. Do, if you oh, want, I'd hate to watch all of that stuff. It that's, just generally. <laughs> but <laughs> you want to talk about like feeling like you're at a game or like at a UFC fight. It's like it would look like people are in right in the space that you're at. That to me, it's. That's where I want to see that application go. I, I don't think, I mean, at this point right now, and until, I mean, even the advancements that he made with this movie, um, I still don't think it has a place in cinema at this point. I think this has oh, an application to do ta- for literally regular Literally what TV. you're talking about right now, literally what you're talking about right now, is the leap that was made in television broadcast, where at first people really were unsettled by how Robot it out one more time. Maybe. Really, were this was an actual thing? Yeah. And, and well, I mean, to a degree, yes, I I understand that, and 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 I get it. But and, at the same and time, it's not widescreen. But it's it's a settling in period, and the the reason that that settled in is because it became the standard. So now everything is that fucking thing. Well, right, but I mean, at the same time, so like, what I think is is like this to me. Um, so so let's let let's get in just a tiny little bit into just like you know film itself being gone and how that's a thing you know and so at last uh, th- this year uh, earlier several months ago at, at Cannes you know Tarantino got on and said you know at, at this point the de- you know we've had the death of cinema all it is right now because everything's in digital is just television in public and I think forty eight frames a second is that to a T. To me, that seems like I'm watching television. At least, like, the last vestige of fucking film was that 48 frames a second. And when you take that 48 frames a second away from me, I might as well be watching a 120 hertz TV, watching a goddamn Discovery Channel special, uh, that, which is good for that. I, but I don't so want to fucking see a fantasy thing that's played like that. I think that Tarantino is 100% full of his own horse shit in mm. that regard. Um Cinema is, right, film is not the fucking physical thing, period. At this point, making that argument is uh, like one of the dumber things that I ever hear people say. But it is Uh, different. No, it's not. It's not. What, (laughs) What cinema is is a very particular set of systems of storytelling that... If you're if you're in Hollywood, right, it's a very particular set of systems of storytelling. The technology hasn't been fucking relevant in decades, decades. So when somebody tells me that they're just watching television in public uh, when they go to a cinema and they see a film, 
right, that has been shot digitally or is playing at 48 frames a second. I just listen to that and immediately I go, what the literal fuck are you talking about? Because it does not make sense. Oh, no, no. But, no as, as, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. No, I'm all you're for, right. like, physical film as, as much as anyone. See, the internet doesn't want you to make this argument. That's why your Skype's cutting out. <laughs> <laughs> the internet knows you're wrong. <laughs> well, I... <sighs> no, but see, I look. You got to. No, well, you will. Will no, you no, at no, least no, no, no. concede that is is that is it? It is a different. There is a different feel between watching something on digital versus watching something on film. Well, you can see that there is a difference between those two things. Yeah, but there's always been a difference. Exactly, but see, that's the thing. It's like, but it has nothing. To, it has nothing to do with what television is or what film is. Does it make a difference in, in, in the medium? It's it, like, does the medium make, is the medium the message? No, but does the, does do the message, does that's the message what, feel different being Marshall McLuhan was talking about? Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm just, I'm <laughs> not, not, I'm not literally saying like that, but you know what I mean? I, I, I hope I don't have a better way to concisely put this. That's why I told you, I actually feel like writing something down about this. Cause I don't know that I can, I, one of here's, the few times that I'm not thing. able to verbalize here's it as opposed thing. to just writing television. It. Television is a particular cultural object in the way that film is a particular cultural object, whether or not it is shot on film or shot on video or shot on DVD does not matter at the end of the day. It is a system of creation and watching and a medium of conveyance. If you are going to make a film and you shoot it digitally, you are not shooting television. No, but I mean, but that is part of what you're saying is that at the point that you're changing the technology of filmmaking, uh, which is Tarantino's point, why I think he's full of shit in making it is that, uh, by using a different set of technologies, you're just watching TV in public. I think that's bullshit. Watching TV in public does not fucking happen because of the specificities of what television is, which is something that people like Quentin Tarantino, like Martin Scorsese, like Steven Spielberg, uh, have no fucking clue what they're talking about. They have no idea what they're talking about when they talk about what TV isn't. They have no idea. Because they literally just don't even process television as something that's viable. And so when I hear people make comments like that, I just go like, that's bullshit. You don't even understand television. Well, what are you talking about? Those, the, the, all of those guys have directed television. Oh, yeah. But, you know, Terrence Winter's fucking story about Martin Scorsese directing Boardwalk Empire? I don't fucking know it. <laughs> so Terrence Winter says, yeah, we got the first episode in the can. Uh, Marty comes in to see how the editing was going. Um and he sees the script for the second episode sitting on my desk and he picks it up and he goes, oh, wow, this is cool. It's like you get to find out what happens to the characters after the movie's over. Well, so I mean, when somebody no, I just think it's a I think it's a non argument. I think that well, it's so bundled up in a in a misunderstanding of both what film sh- is actually and has been, I don't know, since the 80s, uh, at least what film is and what television is that it completely just does not even make sense to me well see my my thing is this it's not and and i think i think our paths are maybe a little bit crossed in in as much as to me it's like 
the difference between whatever medium I decide to watch a movie on. Let's say it's I, I have the choice of a VHS tape, a Laserdisc, a DVD, a Blu-ray, a digital a copy, film? or film. Is it still a film? Absolutely, hundred percent on every single one of those facets. I'm not. I'm not. The argument I'm making is not against those things. Are not a film, so to speak. You know what I mean? A, as but, as what we know is, is a cinematic but that piece. Is, but that is what you're saying when it comes to the 48 frames per second, is no. that is that the 48 frames per second to you is not what film is. I'm talking about even the... Even though it's a completely different medium. No, 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 no. I'm saying Wait. the medium itself is fine. I, I get that. I believe what I watched in 48 frames per second was a, was a piece of cinema, was film, so to speak even though it was on digital. I mean, I would classify it in the same way as I do Star Wars or any fucking else other, other thing. They still fall in that genre. What I am talking about, though, is the way with which they are presented changes the experience of the exhibition of that ex- of that ex- of the film watching experience. That's the point that I'm making. It's not yeah, it's that, not that it that changes the with environment as much as it has to do with with the presentation method. And I think, and that's my that's my whole point is I think the the presentation method is is what I'm what I would rail against more than anything. I don't think it makes a movie you know superior or inferior, no matter what format that it's shot upon, no matter what format that it's shown upon. There are three movies that have ever been made in forty eight frames per second and exhibited theatrically. <laughs> I'm just saying so that the gonna, experience with which go, I've had. You're going to go on the record right now after three movies that you have just said are like stepping stones. And not the finished thing, and say like this format is not for cinema. With that's the, your record. I'm doing like I'm doing as, as any good scientist will do, and I will say these are the facts as I know them as of now. When someone changes my mind, when I see evidence contrary to the fact as I see them, and God knows a lot of scientists do that these days, the facts as I see them, then I will go ahead and change my uh, opinion. But. Uh, if if you're giving me, I think I think the um, I think 48 frames a second as it stands right now. If it were to never uh, escalate beyond the point the, of which it is right now, I think and, and it would stay at that point. Let's just say it stagnates at the technology level that it is right now, and let's just say it continues henceforth in say everything. Fuck going to the movies. I don't know that I would do that anymore. I, it's I, I would have to. It would take so much, and I'm not saying that it would never happen but it would take so much to deprogram my brain into you know no, seeing what i'm seeing i think it would no, it wouldn't are you okay with watching hd tv signals those i mean it's a different thing that's exactly. a completely different thing but it's all but it is it is a different thing but it's a different thing in the exact same way that 48 frames it's so a second cl- but is it's so much closer to what we've seen previously though i mean it's a it's a 24 versus 30 so we're really not looking at that big a thing now. Granted, now let's talk about let's talk about about HD TV in as much as the 120 and 240 frame rate refresh. Now that fucking shit's terrible. I think that should never show up unless you're watching, like I say, a sports channel. Yes, Discovery documentary. Absolutely, you watch fucking Planet Earth and that shit, and have your smuggle a weed, have your mind blown to a million pieces because it will. Now. 
Should that ever be seen as a film? They show it in Best Buys all the time. They have little, uh, you know, little trailer reels showing on something that has 120 or 240 refresh rate, and it looks like absolute garbage. That is why every one of my Blu-rays, that's why every one of my Blu-ray players, whenever I'm playing something in, it is playing it back at 24 frames a second as it was shot, as it was intended to be seen. When you start adding more shit in there, it looks false. It looks fake. And it does happen to go to the persistence of motion with the eyes that we talked about before. And I think that comes very strongly so, into so play. So now here. you're arguing against the against the way that the Hobbit was intended to be seen. I'm look. I've I've watched it the way no, that it has no, been. Now, seen, now that, you're <laughs> arguing against what like Peter Jackson sh- shot this and was I no. think should be stated before the fucking blowback was only interested in showing this film at 48 frames per second. Agreed. And I watched it. He was, he was only interested. So basically what you're saying is that it is only important what the filmmakers vision for the film was whenever it is exactly how I will you say, think the film should look. I will say this. I absolutely respect that. Do I agree with it? No. Do I respect it? And did I watch it in these ways? Yes. I mean, like, look, dude, I drove fucking th- four hours to go to Atlanta want, to see so Interstellar in 70 millimeter. To, to a minute to what in the fuck this might have to do with whatever the fuck Quentin Tarantino's <laughs> bullshit point was. I think it's I think it's not about the, the medium that it is, but the presentation of the medium to an audience and how that has a different feel. I recently watched uh, Texas Chainsaw 2 in 35 millimeter. I guarantee you that that is a different experience if they would have thrown up a, a blu-ray of texas chainsaw 2 it would have been a completely different experience watching the two and the 35 millimeter versus versus uh, a digital it is a wealth of difference when watching those things does it does it does the blu-ray mismake unmake uh texas chainsaw out of a film absolutely not but is it an inferior way to watch that uh, some would argue. I mean, you can argue now, and, and that's where I think his argument is: is that the, the the way that of which it is being presented to you is an inferior way to actually show the product. I think that is his main crux of his argument because he said himself, he's like, I don't care if something's shot in digital. He's like, but the way that it's shown in theaters makes a difference. There is something that there is something about film there fucking is but that's but that's where i tell say that he's talking out of his ass because if he if he's talking about how it's going to watch television in public because it's not shot on film he's full of shit that's not what he's talking about it's not then that what it's the fuck shown is his point? shown on film the it's what's out coming out of the back that's all that fucking matters is what is being projected? Is there celluloid going through something that is being shot who out the screen? If it was shot on digital, who cares if it's shown on film? Here's the here's the fucking thing that pisses me off about this film shit, okay? Uh, and like the obsession with it. I fucking like film, but uh, get off the fucking high horse about the digital projection because that shit even if it's shot on film, is immediately converted to digital since the fucking 80s for editing, period. End of discussion. So when that film comes back out, it is printed from a goddamn digital signal. Steven Spielberg will argue with you on that. (laughs) That's because he's fucking full of shit, too. No, he's the only one who literally still edits on a Steinbeck. I know that, but he's also (laughs) full of shit. Oops, hit the mic stand. (laughs) So, so it, 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 I'm, I'm just saying, like, the obsessiveness 
with which Tarantino will argue about fucking film being the only thing that should be coming out of the projector in the back of the fucking theater, he is absolutely full of shit. His movies have never been film-to-film experiences. I, but, okay. And and I don't even think, again, I, I think you're getting a little bit of, of the actual transitional period because I it's not... I don't. I don't even think it's that argument. I think that argument. I mean, and I. I completely get what you're saying, and and I agree with you, uh, because they don't. Not not today. They don't. But but you're, but you're also saying that it matters that we're watching film on film in a theater, and I'm saying that it doesn't. It absolutely does not matter that you're watching film on. Does film. it? Does not it not anymore? Does it, it make what you're watching different? For Thirty no. years. But does is? I am saying it's a different experience though, because it that much it is. How? It, it feels different. It feels fucking different. It 100% feels different. You, it's been too long since you've seen a 35 film. Right? You, it, there is a no, that's, distinct that's not difference. true at all. I see 35 millimeter films all the time. I'm telling you <laughs> that I'm telling you right now that technologically speaking, the way that your mind actually processes what's going on, you are not having a physically different experience. What is shaping it? is your knowledge of the fact that you're watching 35 millimeter versus digital. That's what's shaping it. That's what I'm telling. Maybe there's maybe, maybe a slight bit, but I mean, especially. No, always, (laughs) always. It is always, I have a friend who refuses to go to repertory theaters unless they're showing it in 35 millimeter. No, I mean, and I can understand that. I mean, like, look, I went to a thing that I thought like at a film festival. There are 35 millimeter prints for these things that don't fucking exist anymore. Now that I mean, so you're that tell- I can understand. So, so, so you know, like when somebody shows uh, a 35 millimeter print of an old ass movie, it might be fucking terrible to watch that in 35 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Here's my point: is that if it is available. I think it should be the preferred method of those things to do. If you if you're telling me, look, I have a 35 millimeter print of The Godfather, or I have a DCP of The Godfather, I've seen I've seen it both ways. I've seen yeah, in theaters. I've seen both ways. The preferred method, the way that it was shot, and the preferred method of you watching the fucking Hobbit is the high frame rate 3D. Right, and I'm not and saying that that's terrible. Say, but and then for you to make like I don't give a shit that you're making this separate argument about other things. You're making it about The Hobbit which is not the thing at all. That's what I'm taking umbrage with. You're making it about what The Hobbit is. You're using that logic of uh, if there's a 35mm print of Texas Chainsaw 2 to watch watch Texas Chainsaw in a movie theater on, that that means that that's how the film should be experienced. But, you know, high frame rate Hobbit can kiss my ass because it's not on film and it's not that and it I, looks weird to that me. I'm not saying either that I'm not I'm not a hundred I'm not really saying that either I mean because like I said if it's the preferred method of, of how a director should want you to see that yes I think you should definitely see it in that particular way but you've now, just said that you don't have any interest in seeing that I don't that like it, it I personally don't care for that's it. fine but that's not what you've been arguing I just think what you've been arguing is that uh that this movie, right? This is your point. This is why you brought up Tarantino. Okay. Your point was, uh, and has since changed, no doubt, <laughs> but your point was that 
the high frame rate version is not cinema to you because it's not on film. It's not in 24 frames. It does not. It does not feel that way. I will. I will say that it does not feel that way to me. Does it make it less of a movie? Absolutely not. But I will tell you this. When I saw it in 2D in 24 frames a second, it looked a hell of a lot better. Because it you're looked, used to it, but which it is looked, my entire fucking point. Man. I know, but it. I, I just. I don't know that it's like. You're saying, but, <laughs> but I am saying there is a direct corollary. There is a direct fucking corollary with television viewing standards in the past decade, and the fact that you are now used to watching high definition television. Right. One of the reasons that you fucking hate the 120 refresh rate or whatever the fuck. Right. Is that you don't own that fucking TV and you're not watching it all the time. I'm saying that if 48 frames per second became more regular and all of the kinks got worked out, that it would feel at some point just as natural as watching 24 frames per second. You're You're saying that's not even possible. No, I'm saying that's possible. I'm saying as as where we stand right now, that, that 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 is not the case. I'm but not I don't saying that it's I'm making not, that argument. I'm You've not even said impossible. earlier that that this was not the end game for it. So I don't even understand the reason I'm making the argument. I don't either at this point. That's why I said I wanted to write it <laughs> because I don't know that I got. I don't even know that I have all of my thoughts together in the most cohesive way that I want to. That's why I'm saying I don't write normally, but somehow I want to <laughs> gather my thoughts enough and take the time to properly write this down because I don't know what I'm saying is being conveyed in as best way that it can. And obviously, with the conversation that we've had, it may not be. Well, we've drawn on <laughs> enough. Let's just get it over with. I hate you. I hate you too. <laughs> That's the end of this show forever. Goodbye. <laughs> Don't ever talk to me again. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't get to the bottom of that shit. Uh, well, we'll okay, talk well, about this next week. <laughs> the, the new well, 4K TVs. Well, we'll pick this back up on Tuesday, and we'll also talk about Wild. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about Wild or something, or who knows. But, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, that was The Hobbit. <laughs> and a long talk about... Honestly, I, I've been... I've been wanting to talk about like this kind of stuff for a long time, but honestly, I do think I need to write it down as opposed to just what is clearly, uh, you know, that's what I think. I think you need to because you're writing a pro high frame rate first. I need to write. I need to write I'm the yang to your game. Analysis of it. Well, whatever. I, I am pro, but it is an analysis of like some of the issues. I feel like there are still are. I look. I, I'm just saying. I think if they if they get to a point, and I think James and uh, and, and I'm not dissing Peter Jackson, and I'm not sucking James Cameron's dick. I'll tell you that much. But I'm saying if there's anybody who could probably do it and get the kinks out, it's probably Cameron. And and for that, I will be interested. That's the only fucking reason I'm interested in seeing the new Avatar movies, because Avatar is just awful. Uh, Yet I own it on Blu-ray. What does that tell you, folks? What does that tell you about me? I've not seen that movie since it was in theaters. I saw it twice in theaters. I bought it on Blu-ray. I haven't even watched it. I wanted to see the special features, to be frank. So I was just kind of like, oh, let's see what all the kind of cool stuff is. And it's not nearly as much cool stuff as I would really hope in this biggest that thing was. Anyways, um, but yeah, so I'm I'm waiting to see what he does. Like I said, my my opinions are are, are malleable. <laughs> they can change at any time. They really can. Fucking in stone, sir. I'm not. No. I'm not. Uh, a, I'm not. I'm not totally there. I'm freewheeling. I can do it. 
Well, well, let's wrap it up. We, I think we've rambled rambled on enough wrap it uh, for this special uh, episode. That's it, everybody. Uh, so early episode here for you. We're going to try to get one to you early next week. So this is kind of a jump-in bonus. Congratulations. You did it, Internet. Um, so thanks thanks for listening. If you listen this far and you have an opinion on this, who's right, me or Matt? Thefilmfind at gmail.com. <laughs> That will be the ultimate arbiter in all this. We'll get no emails. Yeah. <laughs> tweet your tweet your anti forty eight FPS hate at me. Yeah, do it, son. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, go to thefilmfind dot com. There you'll find the links to uh, follow and like everything that we do on there. Facebook, Twitter, uh, subscribe on iTunes, all that stuff. And thank you uh, for subscribing on iTunes. Leave a review, why don't you? That'd be nice. Uh, Matt, where we, where can we find more of your work on the internet this week, sir? Uh, just tweeting constantly at Matt underscore Boyd underscore Smith. And then, uh, you know, I'm trying to get my tumbling back. Uh, I was out down and out for about a week or two, uh, with grading and end of semester shit, but, uh, conspiracy media Very good. And of course, go to the Follow us on the tweets at the film find. And of course, listen to my other podcast hero movie podcast at hero movie podcast.com. Our coming up episode, uh, right on Monday, we're dropping uh, uh, Batman uh, Batman Returns, our uh, last Christmas movie of the year. Uh, interesting movie, Batman uh, Returns. Uh, we'll talk about it's that. The a best bit. Batman movie. It's it's good. There's some. Um, I, it's we'll, the best Batman. We talk about. It. I don't know. Let's not. <laughs> I'll talk about it next time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so go do that. HereMoviePodcast.com. All the links for everything are on there. So if you enjoy superhero movie uh, discussion, go check that out. We do a lot of it. And so that is it, everybody. Uh, so we're going to hopefully be dropping an episode uh, back on Tuesday as per normal. So uh, please check us out. Listen to that. Stay subscribed. For Matt Smith, I'm Adam Portress. Take it easy, everybody.
look, you just gotta you just gotta understand that you're wrong. That's all. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay to be wrong. No, that was good. I'm no, that was we, that was uh, good. We got into it because I feel like they need some of that. Sometimes. A lot of times, I'm sure people just go like, "Why do people two people that just love the same stuff and have the same opinions <laughs> on everything decide to do a podcast together? That brings no conflict to anything." We need a little well, bit they, of... They're going to get some this week. <laughs> you, you finally got some content for us fighting, okay? Are you happy now? <laughs> See, we don't uh, agree on everything. Not everything. <laughs> no. no. But that's, that's good, though. But I'm serious. Like, I do feel like I should actually write something because, like, I do have opinions on this. No, yeah, you should. I, but in... Uh, again, I just don't think that my my mouth has enough to catch up to where my brain is for what this because it's usually the opposite. That's way. what I've been saying about the movie. <laughs> Your brain's not caught up. <laughs> Two weeks from now, I'm going to be like, I got that Hobbit movie, bro. <laughs> my brain just had to catch oh, up I, to them 48 I see frames. What's going on. <laughs> Oh, dude, Peter Jackson, that was wrong, bro. It took me two days, but I figured out what I, what was wrong. My brain was just, um, I'm a little bit slow on the uptake, so you know how it is. Uh, Forgive a brother. <laughs> oh, man. Did you see the click hole quiz that's been going around? No. It's great. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. The name of the quiz is, uh, how well do you know, quote, the Hobbit, spelled H-O-B-B-E-T-T. And then um, every time they spell it or J.R.R. Tolkien's name, it's always different. (laughs) (laughs) So as told by J.R. Herman in the first block, Friends of the Hobbit, why did the Hobbit have to go up a mountain? The, world? the choices are to complain to the treasurer, to find the hobbit, to find the Dargus, to shake hands with the gaunt golfer. <laughs> and then, then when you choose, so if, okay, so I just chose the first one to complain to the treasurer. Correct. Exactly. After it lost all its money gambling, the hobbit left Babbage Town to climb the mountain and file a complaint with the treasurer. <laughs> And then the next one is a picture of Peter Jackson and it says, which character is this? Bad gear? Bad gear? Bad hyphen gear? Or bad with two D's gear? World. <laughs> and if you choose the, choose the second one, uh, it's wrong. Nope, that's actually bad with two D's gear. Feral Warden of Big March. <laughs> It's not. It's not too <laughs> off of because Lord knows. No, it's great. And then so then you go a little down, and it gets really, uh, really obscure. It gives you a picture of uh, of uh, of a uh, fucking golem, and uh, it says, "What is Grabley's weakness? Eucalyptus leaves, the slot machines." Prescriptions Arelto, the popular Hobbit breakfast cereal Buttersnat. <laughs> Which one of those would be your choice? That's, that's to Grabley's weakness. Buttersnat. <laughs> it just sounds right. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to reload it and, and 
because I think it's slot machines. <laughs> okay. So if I select slot machines, it goes, looks like we've got a real Humboldt buff here. Yes, Grabley's main insatiable vice is the slots. Uh, and then question six is at the conclusion of the first Hobbit block, who has the Hobbit in its clutches? Theodore, Ringo, Grabley, the Dargus. <laughs> weirdest shit I've ever heard in my life. It is a good quiz. <laughs> <laughs>